0: Welcome to the
1: second hour of Rudy Max's World, where it's all travel all the time. I'm your host, Rudy Maxa, and if you're a first time listener, you should know I am not a travel agent. I'm not here to sell you anything. Well, maybe the concept of travel. I happen to believe we can all travel. I don't just mean on airplanes to faraway places. I argue we can travel and make amazing discoveries in our own hometowns, that we can travel in our minds. You know, I think every time you read a book or see a movie that's set in a, another destination, you're in effect traveling. So every weekend at this time on this station, I work really hard to bring you a diverse lineup of guests who know their stuff. I like to take a, uh, you know, I like to take a pretty gimlet-eyed look at travel. Not everything is wonderful in the hotel, airline, rental car, and cruise business, and uh, when it's not, we try to pull no punches. Uh, before I tell you about this uh, hour's uh, guest lineup, let me just note that this week is the anniversary of what some call the miracle on the Hudson. It was fi- miracle on the Hudson. Excuse me. It was five years ago that uh you know him Captain Chelsea Sully Sullenberger coolly glided the third by the way, he's Captain Sullenberger the third coolly glided that u uh, s airways flight fifteen forty nine into the Hudson River after a flock of geese knocked out both of the aircraft's two engines. all hundred and sixty five passengers and crew were rescued safely from the plane, and this week a half a dozen of those passengers got together at the New York Waterway Terminal in uh, Manhattan down at the tip of the island to say thanks to the ferryboat company that rescued them. Then they sailed to the point in the river where the captain sat that Airbus 320 down gently on the water, and there they raised a toast. Now, even if everyone wasn't there, or all those passengers, I bet the other 140 passengers, wherever they were this week, were thankfully remembering that day that so impressed us all. All right. In a minute, we're going to talk with Amy Ford from the Colorado Department of Transportation. Learn why the state's mileage markers that read Mile 420 have been replaced with signs reading Mile 419.99. Then we'll ask the question, is it possible to get a decent meal on a plane? Dan Pashman from thesporkful.com knows all about that. He's got some thoughts. And given the turmoil in the Middle East, you might find this surprising, that in 2013, Israel enjoyed a record-breaking year when it came to tourism numbers. Omar Eshel from the Chicago office of the Israel Government Trust thinks he knows why. I'll be interested to hear the reasons. I mean, I like Israel, too, but surprised they had record numbers in 2013. Plus, if ordering in a French restaurant intimidates you, will the author of Mastering the Art of French Eating, her name is Anne Ma, has got all the answers to put you at ease. But let's return to that question of mile 240 signs in Colorado. I'm joined by Amy Ford from the Colorado Department of Transportation. Now, Amy, uh, let me see if our listeners can guess why there are no more mile 240 signs in Colorado if I give them a clue, which is, didn't Colorado just make it legal to purchase marijuana in the state?
2: They did, but that actually isn't why we've changed the signs.
1: I know it's not, but I just wanted them to <laughs> see if they could Got 420 has a, among, in the marijuana culture, shall we say, 420 has a meaning. It's a little unclear the genesis of it, but... Uh, uh, why't you explain the problem with uh four twenty as far as, as it relates it. to road mile signs in colorado
2: <laughs> four twenty is a a special date for marijuana enthusiasts and uh for a number of years now four twenty has been the date that people have at least in Colorado, joined in a great smoke out, shall we say. And uh their goal being, you know, to protest the uh the illegalization of marijuana and to celebrate the marijuana culture. And well that's so over no with surprise. in
1: Colorado now. We don't have we can now <laughs> celebrate the legalization of marijuana.
2: Exactly, exactly. And as we had people come in and out of the state, the moment they would drive by one of our four hundred twenty mile signs, especially there on I seventy, they're like oh, aha, here's my time to celebrate this, not in the private my own home with a wonderful sign that marks the date.
1: Well, what do you mean? They're taking the sign or they're stopping by the road to light up next to it?
2: <laughs> right now, they've been taking the sign. And they got to the point where they were taking the sign once to twice a month. We were replacing it frequently. What and does one uh, of those yeah. signs
1: cost? Do you have any idea, Amy?
2: You know, well, it depended on what they took. Sometimes they just took the sign. Sometimes they took the whole pole <laughs> in the sign. And so really <laughs> in the range of three to $400 and you add our labor to replace it. Sure. And, you know, it started adding up over time.
1: Well, the, other states must have bondage markers for 420, I, 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 do you think? I mean, have you heard of this happening in other states?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it happens in other states. And 420, obviously, is the focus of what we're talking about today, but right. the same thing happens with some other significant numbers, let's say that, with other signs.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Okay, so um, so <laughs> so you, so who came up with the idea of putting up signs that say 419.99? That's you very
2: know clever what, our, our, our crews who are out there in the field thought this might be a way to deter people, and being the good engineers and good transportation people that they did, when they put up 419.99, they actually moved the mark that tenth of a mile to make sure that it was exactly accurate on where they had the mile marker.
1: I don't want to stir any trouble up here, but I wonder if 419.99 is so unique, you're not going to see a mileage light marker like that anywhere else in the world, probably, that it itself might become a coveted object.
2: I think you might be right. And uh, given the fun uh, attention now that we've gotten on these signs, I can guarantee it. But actually, we drove by it earlier this week just to double-check, and the <laughs> sign is, thankfully, still up. So we'll see how long that lasts now.
1: It's still there. <laughs> you guys ought to mount one of those, you know, 24-hour cameras up there, and then you catch the license plate of the car that stops. That might be cheaper. We do. I mean,
2: yeah, obviously, it is technically theft when someone does that. But uh, so today, I don't think I've heard of anyone being arrested for stealing one of our signs.
1: I just, and and how many signs do you think have been stolen over time? Has it been going on for like a decade or just the last couple of years?
2: I'd say within the last five years, it's been pretty frequent as the 420 became more and more prevalent, you know, as far as being something people celebrated. And so for us, we replaced the sign a year or two ago and really have seen a significant decrease in the people. It still gets taken from time to time, obviously, but um, but yeah, it's, I mean, a huge decrease for us on when it was getting taken.
1: All right, Amy. We may check in with you a year from now, Amy, and see how the 419.99 sign's working out for you. You do that. Thanks. Thanks. Amy Ford's a communications director with the Colorado Department of Transportation That uh, having a little trouble with their 420 signs, on, particularly on Interstate 70 that, as I recall, cuts across the state. Hey, if you've got strong feelings about the use of cell phones on airplanes by passengers, well, now's your time to speak up. This week began the first of two 30-day public comment periods. On the Federal Communication Commission's proposal to allow in-flight cell calls on personal cell phones or other wireless devices. Now, this is just above 10,000 feet, of course. Not that the FCC hasn't been receiving lots of frank opinions already, most of them negative. 412 people had written in as of Wednesday of this week. Nearly all of them voted, nay, nix on, on on cell phones abro- ab- ab- aloft. Now, a couple of writers feared they'd find themselves sitting next to chatty teenagers. Another wondered what would happen if the guy he doesn't know sitting next to him gets a call from his wife saying, "Uh, I know it's been a great 23 years of marriage, sweetheart, but I want a divorce. I mean, what what do you do with that? But I've noted more than once, uh, as I've noted more than once, this this strong objection to cell phone use is largely confined to the United States. Flyers all over the world have been able to use their phones while flying and many noticeable ruckus about it. My friend David Rowell at Travel Insider pointed out in a column recently, it's inevitable that cell phones will be allowed on U.S. planes sooner rather than later. Why? Well, because profit for the airlines and cell phone provi- or cell service providers. He argues that the ambient noise in the plane will keep talkers from bothering others. Uh, I suppose, unless you've got somebody really noisy right next to you. Anyway, I am betting that in the not-too-distant future, we will be talking about plane, uh, talking on a plane etiquette, phone on a plane etiquette. Anyway, if that sounds great or not so great to you, drop a letter to the Federal Communications Commission in Washington and let them know what you think. You're listening to Rudy Max's World. be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about how to have a decent meal on a plane.
0: Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages.
1: Hi, folks. Rudy Maxa here, inviting you to discover what Ireland's great cities have to offer. Cities including Dublin, Belfast, Galway, and Kilkenny are as rooted in history as they are in the 21st century. From ancient landmarks to five-star hotels, from a new generation of chefs cooking up a foodie scene as dynamic as it is delicious, to iconic castles and coastlines, all are within easy reach of these vibrant city hubs that are making their way onto best destination lists, from National Geographic to TripAdvisor. Plan a trip today and go to Ireland.com or RudyMaxa.com and click on Sponsors. Beep. <phone rings>
3: Thank you for calling Rosetta Stone for your free language learning demo.
1: Yeah, what's
0: the catch? Excuse me? Your ad says I can get a free Rosetta Stone demo. So, what's the catch?
3: No catch. We're so sure the Rosetta Stone method is the fastest, easiest way to learn a new language that we'll give you a free demo to try it for yourself.
0: Okay, but I've tried to learn a new language before and it was always too hard.
3: This is a completely natural way to learn a new language, just like you learned your first language. No tedious translation, useless memorization, or boring drills it even comes in 30 languages oh but there is one thing the
1: catch
0: right
3: you could start speaking in a new language in less than 15 minutes Uh aha
0: wait did you say 15 minutes to get your free demo from rosetta stone call now 1-800-337-1442 experience for yourself the fastest easiest way to learn a new language guaranteed for your free demo call now 1-800-337-1442 that's 1-800-337-1442
4: it's guy fitty and before the game it's all about the tailgating burgers sausage and peppers onions hot wings you name it but come game time if you got yourself a whole bunch of heartburn roll out the roll aids
0: don't let heartburn keep you from enjoying the things you love roll aids gets you back in the action fast its dual active formula neutralizes more acid than tums for indigestion and heartburn get rapid relief with roll aids
4: r-o-l-a-i-d-s now that's how you spell relief
0: use as directed acid neutralization may not correlate with symptom relief The telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at rudymaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa.
1: Welcome back. 18 After the Hour in this segment of Rudy Maxa's World is brought to you by Travel Guard. They've got an offer uh, with Reader's Digest the name you know and trust for reliable expert advice. Travel Guard, of course, is the nation's leading provider of travel insurance and assistance service plans. And together, they've created the free Smart Spenders Travel Guide. They'll tell you how you can afford a vacation, even on a tight budget, how to save on hotels, restaurants, resorts, and what to do to avoid making expensive travel mistakes, plus about 110 money-saving tips, ideas, and much more. Just go to TravelGuard.com or to RudyMaxa.com and click on that banner on top of the homepage for your free Smart Spenders Travel Guide. If you eat on a plane, eat meals on a plane, you probably haven't been too thrilled with the menus or the offerings or the quality of the food. A guy who thinks a lot about it is Dan Pashman. He's my next guest. He is the creator and host of the Sporkful Food Podcast at com. Sporkful has uh, has just one L at the end of it. And if you go there, you can find, uh, I don't know, six different ways to use a pound of cheddar cheese to make hors d'oeuvres, all kinds of fun food-related stuff. But lately, Dan's given some thought to airplane food. Nice to have you on the show, Dan. Welcome. Thanks, Rudy. So are, what got you to thinking about airline food? Did you take a flight recently and go, what's this?
4: Well, it's something that's certainly uh, uh, always on my mind whenever I'm traveling. I'm the kind of person that is always looking ahead to the next meal and always wondering what it's going to be and always trying to strategize uh, how to make that next meal as delicious as possible. And anytime you're headed to an airport and getting on an airplane, you know it's going to be slim pickings. Um, and so on my podcast, I'm always kind of trying to, to – Tackle these kinds of issues of everyday eating and looking at them in ridiculous detail, uh, and you know, it was, it was being the holiday season, I thought it was a good time to be talking about. Uh, oh, sorry, no time references. Um, and so, uh, you know, every time I'm on a plane, really, I'm always thinking about how am I going to try to make the experience a little bit more delicious.
1: Well, there are obvious problems. I mean, there are some some obstacles to be overcome serving food at thirty thousand feet, aren't there?
4: There are, you know, I, mean, look, I, I get that uh, airplane food is kind of uh, uh, a common punching bag, uh, and you know, with good reason to some extent. But I do think that people need to cut the airlines a little bit more slack. It's actually really hard to serve good food in an airplane. I mean, first of all. You can't, you can't have a, a grill in an oven in the back of a, of a plane. It's dangerous. So the food all has to be cooked in advance and then refrigerated or frozen and stored and then put on an airplane and reheated. So first of all, there are only, only some kinds of foods that are going to stand up to that kind of treatment, stand up well. A lot of foods won't. On top of that, the food needs to be able to withstand a delay. On the flight. So it could make it to the plane and then sit in the back of the plane for an extra two hours if you end up stuck on the runway.
1: There's no humidity on the plane, is there? And, and don't our taste buds change a bit up there?
4: Well, that's absolutely right. Is that once the plane takes off, there's a whole other host of issues. Uh, relating to the science of being in an airplane that make it harder to enjoy your food. The cabin is kept extremely dry, dries out your nose, and so you don't smell the food as well as you would on the ground. Mm -hmm. And the air pressure at 35,000 feet uh, has been shown, uh, Lufthansa did a study that showed that it reduces taste perception by about 30%. And so airlines um, are up against a lot.
1: So what do they do? Do they put more salt, more spices in to to, to try to zip it up?
4: that's exactly right that's one of the big things that they do you know they've only recently been learning about this and when you talk to the airlines they say that they think that perception lags reality and that actually airline food has gotten a lot better in the last couple of years especially in business and first class which is where they sort of where their bread is buttered uh, so to speak as I'm sure you know <laughs> right. um, and uh, so they do add additional seasonings um, so food that might taste too salty or too spicy uh on the ground may actually taste just right uh, in the air, and they've also just done a lot of work with trying to understand how that. You know, trying to under. They've also just done a lot of work trying to understand what types of foods are going to withstand the refrigeration and reheating process better than others.
1: Now, you have some thoughts on making the perfect cocktail aloft, too, don't you?
4: I do. I mean, this is another thing that I put a lot of thought into: is how to improve. Uh, your experience on a plane. Um, uh, we, we get your cocktail. This is actually. I mean, I know we all like to complain about how airlines nickel and dime you these days. But I actually think that the cocktail is one of the better buys you can get in air travel. You know, even if it's it, nowadays, it's often like seven dollars. But that little airplane bottle of liquor you're getting is usually about a drink and a half's worth of liquor. Hmm. And so, you're, you're, and then you're getting a whole can of soda or mixer or whatever it is. So you're getting uh, a cocktail and a half for $7. That's not terrible. Um, And then you get to mix it yourself. Now, key strategy point here is that what you want to do is ask for a second cup full of ice because okay. typically they'll give you one cup of ice, and they'll give you, let's say you get a Jack and Coke. You get your Jack, you get your Coke, and you get your cup of ice. Well, when you start mixing, uh, you're only going to use, uh, let's say, half the Jack and a third of the Coke if that. Um, the ice is going to start to melt, but again, we're talking about a drink and a half here. And so once that ice has melted beyond a certain point, it's not gonna be able, there's not going to be ice left to chill as you refill the cup and continue to mix your drink and make the the second and third portion that you're giving yourself, um, so that's why that second cup of ice is crucial. And then you want to, you know, you're, you're sort of a mad scientist there sitting in your seat with the ice and the mixer and the liquor and you're adding and <laughs> different things, you know, until it gets to be just the right ratio.
1: My guest is Don Paschman. He is the curator of the website and, blo- and where you also have, where he also has his podcast, The Sporkful. S P o o r k f u l dot com. Sorry, it's one o. S p o r k.
4: You might have said uh, I, I could have heard it wrong, but just it was uh, it's Dan. Uh, say, I'm not sure if you said John. But... I'm sorry.
1: My guest is Dan Pashman. He is the curator of the Sporkful, s p o r k f u l dot com. It's a highly entertaining uh, website that has podcasts and some of his writings, uh, blog writings about all elements of food. We're talking particularly about airline food. I got to tell you, more and more. Well, particularly if I'm flying coach, because there's rarely food on coach unless you're going overseas. More and more, I am looking to airports to buy my food before I get on a, f- a flight, Dan. And I, I think I enjoy it at 30,000 feet. Art. Now, of course, it's a little fresher. It hasn't been frozen. It might be a half an hour after I buy it. Do you ever do
4: that? I do. And, and certainly you're going to get, uh, uh, if nothing else, you'll get more power over your options. By True. surveying whatever there is available in the airport, versus just stuck being stuck with the one or small handful of uh, options that are actually on the plane. So I do do that, but it's important to note that that foods that uh, it, it's important to note that the it, it's important to note that they don't take the flavor issue into account with the food made on the ground. So food that might taste good in the airport will may taste bland in the air. So you may want to grab an extra salt packet. Or an extra pepper packet, uh, if you can. I also just am a big proponent of when you can. I know a lot of folks are on the go; you may not have time, but bring your own food to the airport. You know, that's exactly. really, if you want to eat well, don't exactly. eat at all for the food from the airport. Um, but right. there are also things that you can do. Let's say you grab a sandwich on the way out, on the way, uh, you know, running down the the jetway. You uh, grab your sandwich. You run onto the plane. You think, go, oh, good, I got a sandwich from the airport. I'm in good shape. I'm not stuck. On the plane, but then you get up in the air and you realize this food is bland. I got a problem. Well, I recommend that folks take your pretzels or peanuts, the snacks that they give you, crumble those up, and you can put them in your sandwich, put them on your salad, whatever you're eating there. It will add salt, it will add flavor, and it will also add crunch. And crunch is a huge thing on an airplane because, you know, mm. another one of the issues of why it's hard to perceive flavor in an airplane is the noise. I know it may sound. Counterintuitive to think, oh well, why would the noise affect your taste? But you know how, if you're driving and you get lost and you're looking for directions, you'll turn down the volume on your radio, even though I mean in theory that shouldn't make a difference. But it affects your ability to concentrate when when there's loud noise. The loud noise of the airplane affects your ability to perceive taste. So you also taste less because of the noise, but you taste more crunch. Studies have shown that the noise of the airplane increases crunch perception. And sh- so so grab those pretzels, grab those peanuts. I, I recommend, uh, there's nothing wrong with politely asking for an extra bag of pretzels or peanuts, and enjoy that crunch and add it to the other foods that you're traveling with.
1: Last question. When they come up to you and say, chicken or, or meat, or be- it's chicken or beef, what do you say?
4: <sighs> I mean, if it's a choice between two meats like that, I guess I'd probably go chicken,
1: just well. because...
4: Uh, I, I, I can't say this is the most logical thing, but I tend to feel like uh, I, I hold beef to a higher quality standard. I agree. Uh, whereas chicken's a little bit more sort of universally blah. Um, but I, but if one of the options that you're given is sort of a saucy pasta dish, mm-hmm. that's the one I will go for because saucy pasta type dishes, dishes with a lot of sauce, hold up better to the uh, assault that food is put through before it gets to your plate uh, than big pieces of meat do.
1: Check out Dan Pashman's uh, blog and podcast at the Sportful, S-P-O-R-K-F-U-L, sporkful. Dan, thanks very
4: much for joining me. Thanks, Rudy. My pleasure. Bon
1: appetit. I got to tell you, I uh, usually buy some buy my own food. At, uh, more and more airports are having uh, have better better food offerings, so I try to find some gourmet stuff. It's the envy of everyone sitting around me, and they all get cranky, but. I think they learned a lesson. Maybe they'll do it next time, too. Stick around. We'll be right back and talk about why Israel had more visitors last year than ever in the history of the country.
0: Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800 387 8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com.
4: Honey, you know that flight we were supposed to fly out on tomorrow? It's been canceled because of the weather. This was supposed to be our dream vacation. How did we
2: end up here in the emergency room?
4: Where's my luggage? The carousel is empty. Got a travel insurance plan? If you do, you can be covered for trip cancellation due to a covered reason. Medical expenses,
3: lost luggage, and more. Cover yourself today. Call your travel agent or visit TravelGuard.com. Coverage provided by TravelGuard Group, Inc., a licensed insurance producer. Coverage will be limited by the terms and conditions of the policy and may not be available in all states. Insurance underwritten by National Union Fire Insurance Company of Pittsburgh, PA.
0: participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to rudymaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa.
1: 33 After the Hour, this segment of Rudy Maxa is brought to you by our friends at Ireland Tourism. Although we're going to be talking about Israel Tourism in just a moment, but our sponsor is Ireland, inviting you to discover what Ireland's great cities have to offer. Cities including Dublin, Belfast, Galway, and Kilkenny are as rooted in history as they are in the 21st century. From ancient landmarks to five-star hotels, from a new generation of chefs cooking up a foodie scene as dynamic as it is delicious, to iconic castles and coastlines, all are within easy reach of these vibrant city hubs that are making their way onto best destination lists, from National Geographic to TripAdvisor. So plan a trip today. Go to Ireland.com or visit RudyMaxa.com. Right there on my homepage of the radio show, you can click on Sponsors for a direct link to Ireland.com or you can just go to Ireland.com. Uh, it's a little ironic. We've got Ireland sponsoring this segment, but we're going to talk about Israel. Omar Eschel is uh, my guest. Omar, welcome to the show.
5: Shalom, and thank you for having me.
1: And shalom to you. Did you want to talk about Ireland? Or do you want to talk about Israel? What do you think?
5: Actually, you know, there's a lot of connection between Ireland and Israel. It's, it's, I know.
1: I was surprised to learn that when I was in Israel. Let me identify you first before we start chatting. He's the council and director of the Israel Government Tourism Tourist Office in Chicago. He oversees uh, Israeli, Israel, Israeli tourism in about 14 states in the Midwest. Um, before we, I, 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 I teased you at the top of the show, Omer, by expressing surprise, though I'm a big fan of Israel. I've been there probably four or five times. Um, or not probably. I have been. Uh, but I'm surprised that, given the turmoil in the Middle East for the last couple of years, that your tourism numbers were the highest last year than ever before. How do you account for that?
5: Well, we always laugh by saying that Israel is the land of miracles. So this is, this is probably one of them.
1: It is. I, I, I have a feeling because, you know, as you know, many Americans think, think there's little difference between Egypt, Israel, Libya, you name it, that it's all sort of in the Middle East and it's all one boiling cauldron
5: you know what? It's the same as we uh in, in your neighbor down south in in mexico there were problems with with gangs down in, in the in the Mexican peninsula so people in Israel said ah no no I need I should be away from the states because it's very dangerous in that area right it is not. it's not it's different countries and you know the fact is and you're absolutely correct we had over 3.5 million tourists in Israel in 2013 the entire population of Israel everybody including everybody it's a little shy over 8 million so, do the math. If you have 3.5 million tourists in Israel in a population of eight, that's a good number.
1: Wow, that is, that is uh, phenomenal. I mean, I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure it's mainly due to your marketing in the in the Midwest, but are, there might be some other factors that uh, account for this.
5: Well, when you look at this, yes, it it has to do a lot with the marketing in the Midwest in all North America and also all over the world. But the one thing that we all have to to remember, and especially when we speak about a, a travel show. Israel is the most desirable place in history for people to travel and to see from the time of Abraham through the crusades all the way to uh, the grand tour in the 19th century and up, up, up until today so that's not a big uh, surprise that we have so many tourists coming to Israel uh,
1: everybody certainly knows Jerusalem is a city of many faiths and certainly a incredible city for uh, for visiting uh... two years ago we did a radio broadcast from Tel Aviv of this show and that was my first time in Tel Aviv, though. It was, wasn't my, certainly, first time in Israel. And I was, uh, I was surprised. I really hadn't focused on Tel Aviv. I didn't realize it had such a beach culture. I didn't realize that uh, its nickname was the White City because of the number of Bauhaus structures in the center of, of town. I didn't realize it had such a vibrant nightlife and restaurant life. It, it very, I mean, dare I say, it's almost a, a more Western city than any city in Israel.
5: We always laugh by saying that uh, Jerusalem is to pray and, Jeru- and Tel Aviv is to play. Yeah. Uh, Tel Aviv is one of the hottest destinations in uh the eastern hemisphere for a uh uh city break. Uh, we have a lot of tourists coming from especially Germany and uh, northern Europe for a City Break for the exact same reason that you just said, it's a young, mm. vibrant, amazing city. Actually uh uh the, um, the very high uh uh, um, uh and prestige uh, magazine uh, uh actually called Tel Aviv, call it a world-based city for architecture.
1: And I think but the Lonely said, Planet Guide named it as one of the top ten cities to visit uh, uh, right now. I mean, the Mediterranean beaches are phenomenal, and as I say, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. You, you talk about some c- towns uh, that I don't know about, including the biblical city of Goliath. I didn't know there was a Goliath-Israel.
5: Oh, yeah. You know, if, if, if you look at the Bible, you know, the battle of David versus Goliath in Samuel 1, 17, we, we talk about Goliath from the city of Gut.
2: G-A-T, now we know
5: right. yeah j t now we know exactly where that city is, and we know this is the city of God because when we dig there, we find a sign saying eh, eh, Paddy the king of God, so that's a hundred percent guaranteed this is it
1: um we've just got a minute left, but you also you've got uh is it bet Gurvin? am i G-Gurvin? am I pronouncing it correctly
5: right bet gouvvin it's an underground maze of it's a city dug underground. We're talking reservoirs, armories, synagogues, dwelling, uh, uh, places for oil press, everything underground. How long ago? built by it's two thousand years old. It's oh built goodness. in the time of the revolt against the Romans.
1: Where is it roughly? I don't know this.
5: It is right between actually right between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. It's on Highway Six. It's one of the largest underground systems uh, uh, in, in the Middle East and it's completely intact.
1: Well, a reason for me to go back. Omer Eshel is the counsel and the director of the uh, Israel Government Tourism Office in Chicago, uh, but you can find more information. If, if Israel's been on your bucket list, I, I've got to tell you, you'll be perfectly safe. I think it's a fabulous place to visit. Uh, it is GoIsrael.com is the website for more details. Thank you very uh, much for joining us, uh, Omer. Nice talking to you. Same
5: here. Thank you. Shalom and see you in Israel.
1: Shalom. GoIsrael.com is the website. Stick around. Some, uh, we're going to talk a little about French food when we
0: come back. Rudy Maxa's world is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com.
3: Thank you for calling Rosetta Stone for your free language learning demo.
0: Yeah, what's the
1: catch? Excuse me? Your ad says I can get a free Rosetta Stone demo. So, what's
0: the catch?
3: No catch. We're so sure the Rosetta Stone method is the fastest, easiest way to learn a new language that we'll give you a free demo to try it for yourself.
0: Okay, but I've tried to learn a new language before, and it was always too hard.
3: This is a completely natural way to learn a new language, just like you learned your first language. No tedious translation, useless memorization, or boring drills. It even comes in 30 languages. Oh, but there is one thing.
0: The catch, right?
3: You could start speaking in a new language in less than 15 minutes. Uh Aha!
0: Wait, did you say 15 minutes? To get your free demo from Rosetta Stone, call now, 1-800-337-1442. Experience for yourself the fastest, easiest way to learn a new language, guaranteed. For your free demo, call now, 1-800-337-1442. That's 1-800-337-1442. Hi, this is Chuck Woolery. You want to feel like a million bucks today? Have all the confidence in the world? Well, it can't happen if you have bad breath, so why don't you do what I do? Get your hands on Smart Mouth Mouthwash and get 12 hours of fresh breath. Rinse at night, wake up without nasty morning breath. Rinse in the morning, fresh breath all day. For 40 cents a rinse, have confidence that you can't get with any other mouthwash. So put your money where your mouth is. Smart Mouth, 12-hour mouthwash. It's in stores everywhere. We made Tylenol
2: cold to help keep you going this winter. No, You make them bundle up. We relieved your congestion. You challenge them to a snowball fight. We took away your cough. You take them on a sleigh ride to remember. Tylenol cold helps relieve even your worst cold and flu symptoms. But for everything we do, Faster, Faster! We know you do so much more. Tylenol Cold uses directed.
1: Get unheard of deals on durable, easy to install floors at Lumber Liquidator's Laminate and Vinyl Plank Flooring Sale. All laminate flooring is 20 to 30% off our incredibly low prices. All vinyl plank is 10% off. Take it from an expert.
4: Vinyl plank is durable and installs in a snap. Plus, it's extremely water resistant. So come on in, we'll make sure you get the right floor for you. Plus, get special financing.
1: Laminate and Vinyl Plank Flooring Sale is going on now. Visit LumberLiquidator's.com or the flooring experts at your local store today. Financing subject to credit approval minimum monthly payment required hi you can't see me because of radio and i can't see you because i'm totally blind my blindness doesn't hold me back but i fight to stay awake during the day because i'm not sleeping through the night often i struggle to concentrate and just keep up sound familiar you're not alone but this is not a sleep disorder it's actually non 24 Learn about the link between total blindness and your symptoms. Visit LearnMore924.com or call 855-856-2424.
0: To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to rudymaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa.
1: It is 43 minutes after the hour. Nice to have you with me in Rudy Maxa's world this weekend where we talk all travel all the time. Uh, I've got holding in my hand a new book called Mastering the Art of French Eating. Not French cooking, but French eating. It's written by the wife of a diplomat. She's also a journalist and uh, clearly a a devotee of cuisine. Her name is Anne Ma M-A-H. The book is published by Pamela Dorman Books, a division of Viking. Oh, Anne, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here.
6: Thank you for having me.
1: Now, you know, when I first read the title, I thought, finally, somebody's going to tell me how to order things in French, but um, because I, (laughs) among all my friends, I've never taken a course in French. I speak German and grew up in Germany as an army brat, but I butcher French all the time, though I'm a big fan of the country, and you were clearly too. And you, you had, had lived in some good addresses. You and your husband, uh, who's a diplomat, an American diplomat, had lived in uh, where, Shanghai, Washington, D.C., and elsewhere, we right? We
6: lived in Beijing, uh, Washington, D.C., oh, together. Um, before we met, his first assignment was in Ashgabat, Turkmenistan.
1: Okay, um, well, okay, they're not all garden <laughs> spots, okay?
6: So uh, we have been very lucky, and we were thrilled to move to Paris in 2008 for a three-year assignment.
1: You lusted to move to Paris, didn't you? I mean, you cooked all them. you read all about France, you kept imagining someday you'd be able to drive around there with your husband and you, and then miracle of miracles, after a year in Washington, you got an assignment to Paris, but then what happened to him?
6: Well, a few months after we arrived, and we were so happy um, to be going there. Really, it was our dream post. We're both Francophiles, um, both French speakers. Um, And a few months after we arrived, he got called away on a year-long assignment to Baghdad. Uh, You could not I I, No, it's an unaccompanied post. I was very lucky to be able to stay in Paris, but, of course, my dream of living there changed a little bit.
1: Well, I presume you dreamt of living there with your husband. Yes, exactly. All right. So how did food food connect you with the country and bring you, not back to life, obviously. I'm sure you weren't sitting in the corner crying in a little ball. But uh, how did it bring France alive to you?
6: Well, um, we had dreamed about taking a road trip through France together using Julia Child's famous cookbook, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, as a guide. Um, but when he left for the year, uh, he and also uh, some friends that I had made there encouraged me to travel through the country anyway on my own. And that was, food was really the bridge that led me and encouraged me also to do that. Um, a way of going to a place and really discovering the history through the lens of a specific Dish, the regional dish.
1: Well, and that is what you're, that is how your book is structured. It's an inter- it's a very different kind of book in that it has uh, you you explain the structure, won't you, uh, l- rather than having me do it since sure. you wrote it. Sure,
6: um, it is uh, ten different chapters, and each chapter has is uh, focused on one signature dish of a different region. So, for example, the book opens with Paris and talks about steak frites. Um, and that's each dish serves as a jumping-off point to really talk about the history of a of a certain place and the the way a dish has de- grown from the land and taken root there and developed and has cooked there for hundreds of years. So, for example, in Paris, um, I chose steak frites because I really wanted to talk about the bistro culture and cafe culture of Paris ah. that began in the 19th century.
1: And steak frites, of course, is steak uh, with a side of French fries, which is frites. Exactly,
6: very, well, very. That very word I
1: have no dish. trouble pronouncing. <laughs>
6: It's one and of you the fish dishes to order yeah.
1: And in, 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 in Provence, you talk about uh, fish soup. Uh, in uh, the Carcassonne, uh, Carcassonne and thereabouts, you, you talk, of course, about the, the great cassoulet they make there. But uh, mm-hmm. you obviously did a lot of research into the history of this food. Besides giving some recipes and talking about the dish, uh, you did some legwork.
6: Absolutely. I mean, one of the most interesting things about traveling in general, and per- in France in particular, is the way a dish um, becomes really part of the culture and, is, you know, is, is reflectant, reflects the history of a place. So, for example, cassoulet um, has been eaten in, that, in the southwest of France since before the bean was brought over from the New World. They used to use fava beans before mm. the current white bean. Um, mm. And the white bean was actually brought by Catherine de Medici, um, who was, you know, Italian-born but became the Queen of France through marriage, and that was one of her great gifts to to the region was the white bean, and that forever changed Cassoulet there.
1: Ah, uh, yes, I'll start pronouncing it Cassoulet instead of Cassolé, which is well, my I know. Both,
6: I, it is sort of a ca- casserole, so
1: it <laughs> is anything and a goes. Great, And a great winter dish it is for those of us living in colder climates uh, most of the winter. Um, Anne, it's uh, all too short, but I certainly will uh, commend this book to anyone who loves French cooking, who loves eating, for that matter, or has always dreamed, as you did, of going to France. It's a great uh, culinary tour of France, and uh, I'd hardly recommend it. Anne, thank you for joining me.
6: Thank you so much.
1: The book is called Mastering the Art of French Eating by Anne Ma, M-A-H. And you can find out more by going to her website, anne, A-N-N, Ma, M-A-H, all one word, dot net, dot net, annema.net. Stick around. Deals coming up.
0: To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800 387 8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's world.
1: Nice to have you here in Rudy Maxa's world. You know, my two granddaughters live in London. They attend school there. They're three and five years old. My daughter, their mother, has told me that taking your kids out of school for a few days is a really big deal in England. Really big deal. It'll get you in big trouble. Well, if I ever doubted what she told me, I read a BBC. Uh, news story this week sobered me up on it a couple who took their 15 and 13 year old daughters and six year old son out of school for a week in September for a holiday they hadn't been on vacation in five years Uh, and 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 dad couldn't get any time off from his job until then were fined sixteen hundred dollars for failing to ensure their children attended school regularly there's actually a law that says that Uh, when they were a little late in paying the fine the fine doubled three weeks later to thirty two hundred dollars tough country that England um, I I happen to believe, I'm not saying you should take your kids out of school regularly, but I happen to believe that travel often pays more dividends than a week in school in terms of the growth of kids. It certainly did with my kids, I know that. I have to say I disagree with whatever lawmakers in the U.K. instituted this strict legislation. I don't think you should be taking them out, you know, once a month to go on a trip with mom and dad, but geez, geez. As the child's father said to the press, if everyone who had kids... Uh, only took them on vacation when school wasn't in session. The entire country would come to a standstill. No question about it. All right, let's do some deals of the week. I got a lot of them here. A bunch of good hotel deals. Listen to this. Uh, you know, we, we're starting already on the Valentine deals for uh, for February. The Costa Rica Marriott Hotel in San San Jose, about uh, about a few miles outside of San Jose, a 15 minute drive from downtown San Jose. The Costa Rica Marriott Hotel has got a 14% off Valentine's package. So you're going to get accommodations starting at 171 a night. You'll get a complimentary bottle of wine, late checkout. You'll also get 14% off hotel activities, such as treatments in their spa, and the hotel's four restaurants. Not bad. And it's good all of February. You don't have to just do it over Valentine's Day weekend. It's good all of February. for tre- And you can book starting this Monday. That would be January 20th. Uh, check that out. That's the Costa Rica Marriott Hotel in San Jose. In Cuba, or on an edge of Cuba anyway, at the W Retreat and Spa, at, at, I think it's Viquez Island, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. They've got a sneak away for a romantic rendezvous package. It includes a three course dinner at the restaurant at the hotel, a daily breakfast for two, 50% off spa treatments, sunset champagne toast, a complimentary 4 p.m. checkout, and an upgrade to the next room category based on availability. Three night minimum stay is required, starting as low as three twenty five per night through January of 2015. So this goes on for the whole year. There you go. Not bad. Not bad. Check it out. That's uh, a W Retreat and Spa and Vieques Island. It's spelled V-I-E-Q-U-E-S Island in Cuba. The Weston at Hilton Head. The Westin Hilton Head Resort and Spa has got a... They call it a couple's escape, or they say for a group of girlfriends. What about a couple of guys? I don't know. It's a Wilton Hilton Head Island Resort and Spa. Uh, pretty mild weather there in the winter. It's valid through uh, March of 2018, They've got something called the Discovery Adventure Package that starts at two fifty eight per night, and you can choose from a choice of two eco explorations: either four hours of kayaking uh, through the marshes there, or you can uh, take the zip line at Hilton Head, or a four-hour cruise along May River, or three days of two bike rentals among the twelve miles of sandy white beaches, or along the twelve miles of sandy white, and daily full buffet breakfast for two, starting at two fifty eight a night. Not bad. All right, uh, what else we got? We got the Cutter um, Airways. Qatar, K-A-T-A-R, Qatar, as some people pronounce it. I've heard it both ways from Qatarians, even. Um, They're beginning service from Philadelphia on April 2nd. So they're giving a great deal, $766 for travel from Philadelphia, not just to Qatar, but to select destinations around the globe. 766 round uh, trip. Remember, they're partners in the One World Alliance with American Airlines and U.S. Airways. So customers from select cities throughout the U.S. To, uh, can fly to Philadelphia and connect with a Qatar Airways flight. For example, you can fly Boston, Charlotte, Vegas, Phoenix, Raleigh, Durham, aboard U.S. Airways to Philadelphia and connect to onward to destinations throughout the Far East, Africa, Middle East, aboard Qatar. Book by February 7th to take advantage of this special launch offer. I don't know how long it goes. Can I squeeze one more in? The Pullman Rail Journeys Company. This is a, this is a luxury train. Um, it's connecting two of the two of uh, our favorite cities, Chicago and New Orleans and offering passenger service with an early booking savings program. So you can travel between Chicago and uh, New York at uh, fares up to 60% off the published rate. Um, every one of these cars is a Pullman style with an open section, compartments, drawing rooms with double windows. Every bedroom features a large window so you can catch the landscape. Meals are served in the lounge and dining cars. You can have room service even on request. And you can socialize in the club, observation, or dining car. It's a great way. Uh, trains depart weekly from Chicago's Union Station at 8 in the evening every Thursday and arrive in New Orleans the following day at 3.45 p.m. That's a pretty painless way to get there. Leave at night, sleep, wake up, be there late afternoon. Uh, northbound departures, in other words, coming from New Orleans to Chicago, leave every Sunday at 1.45 And you get into uh, Chicago the following morning at 9 a.m. Pretty cool. Fares begin at $240 per person each way, including overnight sleeping accommodations, fine food, beverages, including wine and spirits, served in impeccable Pullman style. I'm obviously reading from the press release here. Anyway, the early booking savings on Pullman Rail Journeys can be booked Uh, with your travel agent or by calling Pullman Rail Journey's phone number. They'll also throw in a hotel package at the New Orleans and Chicago properties. So check it out at TravelPullman.com, P-U-L-L-M-A-N, all one word, TravelPullman.com. Com. Not bad for a deal of the week. A lot of deals of the week. Well, I'm sure we'll have more Valentine Days ones coming up, or Valentine-related ones coming up for February by next weekend. Speaking of next weekend, I hope to see you here again next week. Thank you for favoring me with your company during Rudy Max's World Broadcast this weekend. Same time, same station. See you See you next weekend. Meanwhile, do travel safely. Thank you to Jeff Ryder, my engineer, and Janet Davis, McDonald, my executive producer.